Hey, just wanted to say welcome to the Fizzle Show! What is up, everybody? Screaming in my house! Screaming! Getting my energy up. What are you doing? Are you getting your energy up? Are you coasting? Are you just trying to like, oh man, I just gotta get through this day. Oh, we got this thing with this person, and then we're gonna do the other thing, and then, oh crap, I gotta remember to take that stuff to the place. And then, so hopefully we'll just, you know... We'll just get through this somehow. What stuff are you taking to which place? Uh, you know the area. one. All you know the, the one. All the places. It's all the places. <laughs> yeah, what are, you, what are you doing right now? I'm screaming in my bedroom, getting fired up, because you know what? Every single week, we have to come to the table. When you're an entrepreneur, every single week, you've got to show up. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to hustle, hustle, give up your sleep, and all this. And listen, this isn't hustle porn. In fact, we're profoundly not a hustle porn podcast. We will transform the way that you think about a hustle, okay? Because like a Gary Vaynerchuk and a lot of other people out there getting you to hustle, it's amazing. Some of you, like uh, like some of us really don't know how to do that. We did, We weren't raised on a farm, so we don't know about work, <laughs> but like like Bill Burr said, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but Bill Burr was on like, uh, I don't know, he was on something, he was just whining about like Instagram culture. Instagram like, gotta get out there, gotta hustle, you know, gotta make that gotta make that coin today, gotta hustle, gotta get out there. He's like, what, did you think life wasn't gonna be hard work? Like, is this your first time working hard? Jesus, Charlie, Clarius, like, I don't know. Those were not the best names to go with. But the point, the point is, the point, the point is just the sense that like, like there's this whole idea about you gotta hustle, you gotta get, and it's like, dude, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten about work smarter, not harder? Like, have you forgotten about that? It's a big deal. Work smarter, not harder. Did you guys you see? Are, go for did, it. What? Did you see there was a, a whole article in the New York Times this past couple of days about? Uh, I think the title was. Why are millennials all pretending to love work? And it was about this. Uh, have you heard of TGIM? Thank God it's Monday. Mm-hmm. No, it's like this is like a hashtag. And no, that's basically amazing. It, the, the, in in this article, he was talking about it in the context of people, millennials specifically, who were all about hustle culture, but working nine to fives for other people. And in my mind, hustle culture is all about entrepreneurship, but I guess yeah. there's this whole other side of people who are like, yeah, I just grind it out. You got to work, you know, and Elon Musk of course leads that charge saying that you have to work like a hundred hours a week to do anything meaningful. Yeah. So there are people that talk about it on both sides, I guess. On both sides. By the way, if any of you are like hustle porn people looking to work for someone, I can put some of you to work if you're really going to grind <laughs> it out for me. Like, <laughs> hell yeah. Well, <laughs> hell yeah, man. For sure. Because, you know, as a, as a business owner, you want to have those employees that like really are bought into the mission. They're really interested in their own work and in, and in you know, experiencing their own sort of, uh, you know, I don't know, transcending their own limitations. And you can do that in any work. It's very specific, though, this doing your own business thing. You know, this it's very specific. It's, it's got it comes with a dump truck of issues. Right. And today we're going to get into, like every week on the Fizzle Show, one of those like like one of those things that are going to run into you, like you're going to slam into this at some point in your entrepreneurial journey. Right. And we we title this sort of loosely the the idea of doomsday prepping your business or emergency prepping your business, because something's going to come up. 
And it's and you're gonna be like in a good you're gonna be at a good little good cadence, got a little movement, got a little momentum, things are going like hey, I mean nothing's perfect, but it's like, hey, I'm not super I'm not super depressed, I'm not super like anxious, I'm I'm getting some stuff done, I'm focused, like it feels like we're heading in the right direction. And then you know, something crazy is going to happen just because that's life, right? Life just shows up. Whether it's someone in your family getting diagnosed with cancer, man, that'll go off like a bomb in your life, right? That just shifts a lot of things. Or if it's, uh, if it's, if it's also just as simple as, you know what? I am just, I am exhausted. I want to take some time off and I don't feel like I can or I do feel like I can because I have the systems set up and in place in my business so that I can, I can roll with what comes my way. Okay. <clears throat> Today on the show, we are talking about how we can set up our businesses. All right. So we can roll with whatever comes our way. And on the show today, I've got Aiden Fishbein. Say hi, Aiden. Ahoy. Corbett Barr out in, out in Spain. Say what's up, Corb? Ahoy, mateys. <laughs> and, and we're so excited to bring back to the show, Steph Crowder rhymes with chowder. Steph, say hello. Hi, guys. I miss you, and I miss all oh. the Fizzle crew. Thank you for having me. You got it. Steph, you're in Louisville. You got mm-hmm. your witch witch sandwich cup. <laughs> Don't make believe. fun of me. I love it. I love it here in my suburban happy place, okay? With my witch witch yellow sandwich Witch witch. I'm your having witch- a great time. <laughs> I dig it. Witch, I'm witch. not making fun of you. I'm just like laughing at you. you know? I know. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I see the difference there. Important distinction. Laughing with you. <laughs> We're laughing with you because you make us laugh. Uh, I'm kidding. All right. So here's the deal. What are we getting into? How do we start this? People are wanting to, to be able to take time off their business. People are wanting to have a little bit of padding security stuff set up so that when something, God forbid, uh, happens in their life, they can roll with it, right? And it's not just bad things. Like I said, you might want to take a week off. You might have an opportunity come up. All right, here's a story. My buddy Jared, who I'm living with down here, we're, we're, if people don't know, we, we live, uh, we're doing a, we're kind of pioneering a communal living sort of situation where two families are living together. It's a way for us to live right on the beach in a great house but split the rent. It's a way for us to batch together all of our groceries and stuff. Our kids are growing up together. At least this is the experiment we're running right now. And um, these are people that we're very close with and we can get along with just fine. Not that, you know, relational stuff's going to come up. I'm sure. I can't wait. It's going to be it's going to be exciting. <laughs> but one of the things that happened was um, my buddy Jared we were off, like, he's like a BMX, right? He, like, was a BMX kid, so he has, like, a BMX bike. And I'm like, what are you, 14? No, he's 41, <laughs> right? So, but he, like, he's riding his BMX bike. We're going off to yoga because there's this hot yoga class. Let here me guess, he's uh, somewhere between, like, 35 and 45. He, yeah, he's somewhere, he's 41, exactly. So, the, the, we're going to this hot yoga class, which is, like, by the way, changing my life. Oh, my God. I cannot rec. I mean, I don't know. It's just this class here is is great. The energy in the room, like people, everybody's you know thirty something to fifty something. It's like they're focused. It's like there's a little bit. It's like it feels good, but it's hot. You're in a sauna. You're kind of late to that party, Chase. This is like two (laughs) thousand. I am so late. Have you have you guys heard of Jazzercise? It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You listen to great tunes. You get your heart rate up. But we're we're. 
we're rushing off to this hot yoga class because it fills up and we want to get a good spot and it's like my favorite place. And so, uh, anyways, he's on his BMX and he's doing all this crazy, silly, you know, moving around stuff. And he ends up like a car pulls out into the alleyway as he's just coming through it. And he ends up like kind of just slamming into the car, Ooh. right? So, so like into the side of it and he, you know, makes it so the bike doesn't hit the car. His shoulder hits the car. Right, is in everybody, everybody's fine. He's okay. It turns out he ends up really. He's hurt. <laughs> he's hurt, and he notices this immediately. But then just rolls with it. All right. Well, the next day, uh, he well, like didn't go to the chiropractor because there was some busy stuff going on. But he was like, tomorrow I'm going to go to the chiropractor and get this looked at and make sure everything's okay because the pain is sort of growing. Well, w- what he didn't know is we had planned this birthday gift for him to come up to this four day event that I just got back from. And it was something he really wanted to do. It would have been, you know, uh, it just wasn't something that was in the cards for, for him and his wife to be able to do that, or at least as he thought. And we, we had that for a gift from, well, we were going to leave like the, that, that day or the next day or whatever. So the point is he didn't get to go to the chiropractor. Uh-huh. Right then. And then he didn't get to go what, the day that we got there in L.A., even though he had a full day to do that. He didn't get to do it then. He didn't get to do it like during the event because it's like nonstop 12 hours a day intense. Right. And so now it's like t- 10, 12 days since. And he and he's just got this <laughs> this pain in his side that whole time. You never know what's going to happen. Right. So you want to get your stuff checked out <laughs> early as sure. soon as possible. Okay. Okay. Because your friends might be surprising you with some sort of like amazing life changing event. Right. Which you would know you would like literally drop anything to be able to do if you could. Right. right. Who knows what comes your way? Also, great opportunities like that. Um, and now he walks with a hunchback. It'll be like that for the rest of his life. But, you know, he got to go to a good event. Um, <laughs> So when I think of this doomsday prepping or or uh, emergency prepping, that's what I'm thinking about. Good stuff can come your way. You want to be able to say yes to, and you might not have systems in place for you to be able to do it. Bad stuff might come your way that you have to say yes to, and you might not have the systems in place. This is basically the three little pigs I'm getting. So I'm going to huff, and I'm going to puff, and I'm going to roll another one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where are we going now, guys? That's my setup. All right, I've done the, I've done the chase intro. <laughs> I'm excited about this. I've taken my alpha brain. I'm fired up. Let's get into it. So the only thing that I would add to that, um, we're not only talking about prep, but a lot of us, for one reason or, or another, don't have the time, the wherewithal, or prioritizing properly to do this prep work. Mm-hmm. So what I also want to make sure we're really talking about is how to create the eye of the storm when the shit has hit the fan. Because okay, tell me about this eye of the storm. What do you mean? So so this is my personal belief, but um, I don't believe that, you know, I, I have a meditation practice and, and my meditation practice is not designed to create 20 minutes of bliss every day. It is meant almost like to struggle through so that in my day I have a bubble that I can have access to, right? So I don't believe that serenity is um, finding calm when everything is fine. I mean, that's good. That's great. <clears throat> but my belief is that um, is real serenity is when everything is chaotic around you and you're somehow able to kind of like weather the storm. Um, and I believe that that takes some part preparation, but then the deployment when the chaos is encircling you is, uh, is the stuff that I think a lot of people get tripped up with because you can do mm. a lot of prep work, 
And then the bomb goes off and you forget, or the bomb goes off and it's just really not, you look at all your prep work and you're like, how did I even imagine like this was going to help me at all here? You know, um, but you know, there are some methods that I think, um, at least that I've used in, in my own experience that, that do help, you know, help you when you're living in the chaos to, uh, to actually, you know, get a little pocket of serenity. And in this specific example, to keep things moving, you know, your business is, is hopefully for you, archetype fizzler, lifted off the ground, making your own money. You got no runway, you got no job. You're now doing it. If your bomb goes off, it's a lot more serious than somebody that's still kind of side hustling. Um, yeah. So, so these are the, the tips for those kinds of people today, I think. And let's talk for a second about, about why this is so important because, um, like there's a mindset that you can get into there's it's called survival mode right there's a survival mode that we can get into and if you've ever been into a uh um uh like a maybe you've lived somewhere overseas uh or or here in America where it just felt almost like a war zone right where there's just it's kind of it, it, you don't really a lot of places uh like this guy Jared Jared who I live with he's lived in Mombasa he lived in a lot of places in Africa he was doing a lot of aid work and stuff and he he's telling me often cuz I'm just I love hearing about it just what life's like out there because you look into people's eyes and everybody's just going you know everybody's just going and there's like almost like a deadness in the eyes because you have to put up with all sorts you're just you're constantly being traumatized Mm. effectively you know you're constant and you and you you have such a well such a uh an archive of trauma so you don't know what to expect you don't you don't expect good things to happen <laughs> you know you're prepared for all the bad stuff that's probably going to happen right it's a very it's a it, it like you know living living near the poverty line it does that to you it's a it's a um it, it's intense you know it's a very intense thing and when we live like that in survival mode, you don't have to be in a war zone, by the way, to live in survival mode. How many of you out there are living in survival mode with your spouse and your family right now, right? Or know exactly what I'm talking about, where you're just kind of living to keep living. Uh, one of the ways to talk about it is, is you're playing not to lose instead of playing to win, mm. right? And these are just such a big distinction there. To play to win is like, it's something I'm even scared to do because it, 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 it calls us forward. It calls us into the vision that we have for our life, right? So when we're thinking about pre, what we're doing right now is this is really, really just as this intelligence building. This is sort of stoicism, right? As we're looking at what's going to go wrong. What's, what's the worst thing that can happen? We're getting this emergency prepping sort of stuff up front before the emergencies. So we're not, you know, we're, we're not like just to make it all, all doomsday. We're not like at the, at the, I remember there was some time up in Portland where, where there was something going on, Corbett. I can't remember. And Melissa was like in the aisle with like water, like where there was like big water jugs or something. Oh, the big and people one, the were, cascade fault. Yeah. I think something like that. And it was, and it was like, there was some intensity around people getting water. Like they were like, Oh, I, I, like if she gets water, I better, I better get a lot of water. I'm going to get some water too. <laughs> you know, it's like intense. But this, the point I, I really want to just make is the difference between survival mode, right? And, and something and whatever else, like life mode. I don't know. Thrive mode. I don't know. What is this? A Kaiser Permanente ad? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But the, you, when you're living in survival mode, here's what, here's what it costs you. You are not thinking clearly. Okay. In some ways you're thinking more clear, 
right? Because you're going straight to the action. But in other ways, there's not enough relaxation. There's not enough actually like coping or acceptance of the situation yet. So we, we end up feeling uh, like we end up just like kind of making rash decisions. And when you've got an, when you got a business, you're building a reputation, you're trying to serve people, you've got your clients to make happy. You've got marketing to do. You've got next quarter to be thinking about. You've got a lot of stuff that's going on, right? Being in survival mode does not serve you. It does not serve you the same way that, hold on, hold the presses, you know, take a deep breath, chill out, pull back, zoom out. It's like, uh, it, it, you guys ever seen Get Out? Did everybody here see Get Out? Yeah. I mean, it's like mandatory viewing at this point. That movie is so good. Remember that scene when he kind of like goes inside of himself and he's sort of free falling? <laughs> looking sunken at place. L- looking at the, yeah, the sunken place. The sunken now, place. Like, it's like a bad way of talking about it because of the context of the movie, which if you haven't seen, please go see. But the, the, the perspective, the visual is good for getting that perspective on like, let's step back and look at what our life's going on and, and ask the question, what would happen if, right? So that's what I love about this podcast episode is that we get to get into uh, just setting up our businesses. It's like having a life insurance policy. For some reason, having a life insurance policy just like... I remember one day, like we had a life insurance policy for a long time. And then one day I was like, I was worried. I was uptight. I was like worried about something. And then I was like, oh, you know what? If anything ever happens to me, we've got that life insurance policy. Melissa will be fine. Then I was like, ah, she'll be fine. It's okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? For some reason I was like, well, let's go play. And and I I probably went and wrote a blog post that got a hundred million hits or something like that. You know, because that's what happens when you're out of survival mode for me. Anyways. (laughs) I'm lost in my own conversation now. So let's talk about what people can do to, uh, or maybe do we need to, Steph, like what's your, what are you hearing over there? Like what's the distinction for you? What is important to to you about this concept? Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. One thing for me is I think, emergency prepping is extremely important as we've hit home. I mean, I've had moments, scary moments where I think to myself, "Mm, what happens if I step in front of a bus? Like I'm screwed. Right. And I think we've all had that feeling as entrepreneurs, like there's nobody there to pick up the pieces. And that's a really scary feeling, but on a much less emergent, like emergency urgent level, this is also, I think about forecasting for the inevitable that there are going to be uptimes and downtimes, period, in terms of even just your energy and your ability to show up. So I'm thinking about the fact that at the time of us recording this, it's early February. January has gone by. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I've gotten a general sense from people that January was like a rough one for a lot of us. I had an unbelievably rough January, which we could talk about, but... We don't even need to talk about that. A lot of people I've talked to have been like, January was not the start that I anticipated to the year. Mm. And it's, I think, really tempting to slide into February and be like, well, shit, you know, when I was making my plans in November, December, I had such high hopes for how I was going to start the year. It was so beautiful, the clean slate. I was so excited. And now my energy is like totally tarnished and I have no idea how to get back on track. I hear this a lot and I have felt it myself. And I think there's, 
two different ways to go about it. You can kind of like try to brute force yourself to like get back to the energetic level that you were on, which was likely unsustainable. Mm. Or you can just anticipate that this stuff is going to happen. You're going to get sick. Kids are going to get sick. School's going to close for weather. Weird stuff's going to happen. And I think even just the anticipation of knowing that this is normal, take some of the panic out of it, number one. And number two, you can kind of think to yourself, like, how am I going to handle that? Not if it happens, but when it happens. And I almost think of like your cell phone. Every cell phone has a power saving mode, right? Like when your phone gets down to like 20%, your phone will prompt you, do you want to turn on power saving mode? And I think the question for me is like, what's the power saving mode for your business? And there's a tactical perspective of that. Like we can talk about different processes and prep, like Aiden was saying, but there's a heavy mindset component to this as well, which is you've got to number one, establish what good enough looks like in your business. And number two, you've got to get comfortable with being good enough for short periods of time and trust that you can get back to an energetic 10 when you're feeling good, but it's not possible to run at that speed forever. And it's not practical and you don't, you don't even have to, it's okay to go into that power saving mode when you need to, without having to turn the lights completely off. And I think the sooner as entrepreneurs that we get comfortable with that being reality, instead of like freaking out about it, the faster and easier we can recover from the tough periods. I love that. So hold on. Those, those two things are, you've, say them again. You've got to establish what good enough looks like for your business, right? Yep. What does good enough look like? And then you've got to, what was it? Trust? Say yeah, it again. So- so trust. Okay. So know what good enough is and then be okay with being good enough for short mm-hmm. periods of time. Yeah, and I think, situations demand it. I think mm-hmm. there's actually a third part, which is trust that the you that feels really energetically high is going to come back. I think when things are hard and whether it's on a personal level or you're just, things aren't clicking, which is also normal. It's, I know for me, sometimes I've gotten scared. I'm like, has my luck run out? We've talked about this before. Like, do I, am I out of ideas? Like, am I never going to feel creative again? And I think the longer you do this, the more you realize that these things really do go in cycles and it's okay to trust that your energetic 10 is going to come back to you and you just can't force it. You just have to trust that these things are going to cycle because our careers are long. And as human beings, we're not going to be on that high level all of the time. It's an impossible expectation. Yeah, I like that. Corbett, what are you hearing over there around this topic of, uh, you know, doomsday prepping for your business, this idea of being able to, to, you know, put it on a, a little bit of autopilot or a little bit of, uh, you know, good enough mode. I love this idea of power savings mode. What comes up for you, Corb? Well, just thinking back to being an entrepreneur, uh, years ago and, uh, getting to the point where, you know, at first you're just focused on, your runway and making sure that you have enough money saved up so that you can make your next thing work. And then you're focused on making revenue and then you're focused on the next milestone and the next milestone. And at some point you kind of uh, realize that you've been living in this, you've been living on these fumes, you know, of your own hustle for a while. This is something that we kind of talked about with Tom Ross and this story isn't going to head that direction for me, but it just got to the point where I realized Oh my God, I haven't taken a real vacation. You know, you, you, in the beginning, it's, it's so fun to realize that you're on your, your own boss and you can work from anywhere and, um, you can travel and, and work and all that kind of stuff. But at some point you realize that traveling and working is not the same thing as taking Just a real vacation. vacation yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not the real thing. You know, it's not the kind of, um, recharging that, everybody needs at some point. And you can get through a lot of months just, you know, loving what you're doing and, um, and being addicted to that process of making progress. But eventually 
you need to take some real time off. And if you haven't focused on not only saving money, but also putting things in place that will allow you to take time off, because even if you have money in the bank, if you haven't, um, you know, saved up enough in terms of systems and processes and goodwill, maybe with certain people to help you out when you're gone or whatever it is, then you can be kind of stuck not being able to take some time off, which is a rough place to be in. When I decided I wanted to take time off, it was multiple months of planning and hiring before I could actually do that. And, you know, most people um, in a corporate environment can just tell their boss, hey, I want to take a week off, you know, next week or in a couple of weeks or whatever, and they don't need a whole lot of planning. But if you haven't thought about this ahead of time, it can take you months to kind of dig out and create the systems that you need. So I kind of relate this to emergency prepping. It's funny, we have a mutual friend, some of us on this podcast, who is super into prepping. And uh, she brought it up a, a bunch of times about how you know we needed to think about prepping, especially because we live in Portland where there's this supposed massive earthquake <laughs> that could happen at any time right. in the next hundred years. And um, so after bringing it up a few times and us kind of like laughing it off, we realized, no, she's serious about prepping. So my wife, the big lists, Google docs. Yeah. The whole thing, like checking up on you. And so, um, my wife, Jessalyn and I kind of, you know, started talking about it a little bit and then she got on Amazon one night and started ordering, uh, you know, first aid kit and candles and all this kind of stuff. And we got a lot of the things that are on the list, but the most important thing was still missing in our house. And that was water. Like uh, you need gallons and gallons of water. Like you can't live during an emergency without water and you need a lot of it. It's like kind of shocking how many bottles you would need. So just like you need water to properly prep for your emergency, you need more than than just money or having thought about it. You need a lot of different things in place to make sure that you can actually withstand an emergency in your business or just be able to take time off, whatever it needs to be for. Okay, I like this. I like where we're going here. <clears throat> in fact, we're already answered, we're already we've already got like five great points that have been in, mentioned in the conversation about like how to be uh, this doomsday prepping thing, but like, uh, I'm curious, does anybody have sto- the story, Corbett? You mentioned the story of, of like, uh, you were an early days blogger. You had just been on, uh, you know, you had left the corporate world and your startup world and you, you kind of have these, this like season of like, you know, shoot, what am I doing with my life? And you realize this blogging thing's possible and you start playing with that and then you find success in it. And, and after a while you realize, oh my God, I've never, I haven't had a, a good, I haven't had a vacation and I haven't, and it doesn't look like I'll be able to like, well, not like this. I'll have to go and I'll have to work all the time. Uh, and that's what got, caused you to sort of start, you know, emergency prepping your business, which is, which took the form of, uh, what, what did it take the form of Corbett? You mentioned, uh, bringing on a, another, another, uh, sort of staff member or something like that. Yeah. I, I just, I guess this is kind of what led me towards hiring people, you know, was event, initially I thought that being the, uh, the lone wolf or whatever was like the best way to be an entrepreneur because you didn't have anybody to worry about, you know, and, and, uh, nobody, nobody to answer to and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then I realized that if I really didn't want to have to answer email or respond to customers or whatever for a couple of weeks, which is a reasonable request, I think, 
I had to have somebody that I could rely on. And, and that's when, uh, that's when I first brought on Caleb Wojcik way, way back in, I think it was 2010. Mm, the wash bomb. Mm. Okay. So, so I love, I love, uh, hearing this, this perspective of, it's not just about doomsday, you guys, it's about thinking about the system of your business, thinking about the, or the, the, the ecosystem of your business and realizing, are you going to be able to take a break at some point? <laughs> you right. know, that, it's the same thing with, with like, you're going to be forced to take a break potentially by who knows what happens in your, in your personal life or in, you know, some, who knows what, the natural disaster, right? That's what the doomsday and, you know, prepping is really about is some sort of natural disaster, solar flare, who knows all this stuff. And I'm not, I'm not one who goes real deep dive on, on all the things that could go wrong. I got plenty of anxiety on stuff that's already going to go right. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, there's so much stuff that's that's really high. like. If I look at it on paper, it's like likely to go like just fine. But I'm like super anxious and worried about it. Right? That's that's. I'm sure a lot. I'm sure a lot of you feel this way. Um, so then there's these things that could actually go wrong, and I'm not thinking at all about that. You know, and I don't want to. It makes me scared. It makes me scared to think of that. So like that is, I think, a really important point. Why have you? resisted thinking about this up to now for many of you this is probably the you've never heard of the idea of emergency prepping your business or doomsday prepping your business right why is that that's interesting because like like of course something's going to happen you need to step away of course of course life is unpredictable in those ways right and so there will be there will be this complexity to step in by the way do you guys know okay so there's this have you heard of the four rings stuff have you ever heard of the four rings Mm, I don't think so. In what okay. context? So get this. It's like a very like corporate training sort of, sort of thing, but it's like, it's life, man. It's so life. Okay. So imagine four rings vertical, so like the Audi logo, right? Four rings or like, imagine <laughs> them, but stand them up, stand them up top, right? So there's one at the bottom and there's one at the top and there's two in between. Okay. The one at the bottom is called stagnation. Stagnation, very low productivity. Very low, um, uh, like usefulness, stagnation, right? Up at the very top is chaos. All right. Very, again, very low productivity in chaos. All right. Now, those are the two edges. Those are the two ends. Okay. Now to go down to the stagnation again. Once one ring up from stagnation is called order. We love order. Humans love order. Okay. We love to be able to know what's what. Like we want to know the rules, right? So the, the, the U.S. government, any government for that matter, order, bureaucracy. This is where order can go wrong is it's almost like you can't get anything done because it's so much order, right? It's like you can almost have too much order. It leads to stagnation. Okay. Potentially. But the ring above order is called complexity. And this is kind of where you want, uh, where as a human being, we kind of want to be, especially as an entrepreneur, stepping into complexity, like one foot in order, one foot in complexity. Now, complexity, high potential productivity, high creativity, right? If you go one step further into chaos, you got no productivity, potentially so much creativity, there's no productivity, right? Because it's just chaotic. So this this construct is really stuck with me. I wish I could draw it on like a little notepad for you guys, because <laughs> it, it, you, it you get it. There's this came out of research that a guy was doing at Harvard. He's got like a TED talk on it and, you know, some best-selling book on it. But it's the, the whole idea is, oh my gosh, humans, 
uh, like a lot of human beings are trying to go down through order and and, and that the inevitability is we, we head towards stagnation in our lives. But all you need is a subtle shift upwards, almost like a subtle inhalation, little inspiration, right, to head into complexity. And in complexity, what you're doing is you're stepping into the uncertainty, the fundamental and profound and ubiquitous uncertainty of life, of what's going to happen in this relationship with my wife I've been in with for 14 years. I know everything about her. She knows everything about me. And yet it's still new stuff coming out, right? That's complexity. That's allowing her to become somebody new instead of shoving her into the order and stagnation box in my mind. Right. Same thing happens with our business. Your you your business exists in a market, which the and the market exists in a larger ecosystem of whatever I don't know the the global sort of trends and whatever all this stuff. Right. So you you can you can be you can make a perfect expo, uh, you know uh, uh, communication or expression of yourself, and you're not guaranteed any fans. You're just not. Right? You're just not guaranteed any fans or any actual business from expressing yourself. You can be much more likely to get fans and a business when you create something that serves their issues, their needs, solves their problem, and you do it in a way that brings yourself to the table with your expression. So it's a both end. That's, mm. that's kind of like complexity. I have me, this, right? Th- yeah. Uh, you just kind of inspired some, and maybe I'm misunderstanding the metaphor, but I think tying it back to this, when a bomb goes off, it either puts me in the top or the bottom ring um, where yeah. it creates the chaos. And usually that chaos then translates into like complete paralysis and stagnation for me. Yeah, um, right. And the preparation stuff that we've just been talking about is probably some kind of potential structure of order for complexity yeah. for the chaotic craziness that that is going to come because it's going to come. Um, exactly. So, so that's an interesting thing. And I think what you were also talking about is this whole, you were talking about Chase not wanting to think about these things um, because they're so amorphous and they're stressful. But, but that's kind of where I think the power gets removed. Um, and I think that's also why people don't like doing this preparation. You were saying, why don't, it seems so simple, water, right? Get some, get some water, <laughs> put it in your yeah. house. It's not that hard. Yeah. Um, same thing with, with some of the basic business principles we're going over. Um, but why don't people like doing these things? Well, it forces us to look at uncomfortable, scary things. Yeah. And what's worse than an uncomfortable, scary thing is, a, is an amorphous, variably sized, uncomfortable, scary thing. And yeah. mm. so the beauty for me is when I take a couple steps to trace out the outline of the fear, right? To actually put a shape to it, to define, you know, what is this situation? Is this the situation I so feared? What does it exactly look like if my business blows up or if this client leaves? Like, let me do a little journaling there. Let me write down, okay, well, my income drops by 50%. I have, you know, where does that, what does that mean for my actual expenses and things like that? Once that's outlined, a lot of the power of the uncertain fear and that amorphous blob of darkness disappears just like that. Just when the, when the light is shone, it goes, a lot of it goes away. It doesn't solve the problem for me, but I think that when you reduce that power, when you alleviate that power for me, it gives me the inspiration and the motivation to create some of those preparation plans. Um, I, like, I like this. Yeah, because a lot of what, what happens to me is when I have free time in my business, I want to like do something fun and new. Um, 
But if I have, and that's partially kind of head in the sand, avoiding the fact that this amorphous blob exists. So if I can kind of channel that and do a little bit there, then I can actually institute some preparation before I need it. Because yeah. when I need it, I tell you what, I don't have the time to institute those things. That's that's yeah. the big problem. Yeah, and, and and I think it's a good, it's a really good point that like, how simple is it to put water in your in your basement? You know, how simple is it to have a calendar event to like change out that water? You know, every six months or whatever, like water apparently goes stale. It's like this is, this is why doomsday prepping for real life, like doomsday, pre- it just gets like, you know, what? I'm not going to I'm not going to replace water that I didn't. I don't, I don't know. I, <laughs> like I you lost me. You lost me. I, it's like so dumb of me. But the, the point that you're making that I what comes up for me about this is just like, hey, you guys, doomsday prepping your business. Actually, not that hard. Actually, not very challenging. Let's be like a good stoic. You know, stoicism's like all the rage. Now it's like Tim Ferriss is into stoicism and Ryan Holiday, so it's like, let's get into it. Well, the truth is you look at these guys and they're just bad they're bad these these philosophers, these this way of thinking about things is very badass. It's like if you want to know why Corbett's been so successful, it's because he's basically been a stoic. You know, it's like he's basically lived in accordance with this stoicism stuff, even though he didn't know about these guys. You don't have to know about them to like to see the 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 logic in it. Right. He's a stoic, so, but didn't know it. He's a stoic, <laughs> but didn't know it. That. Sorry. That's great. B rabbit. Aiden Fishbine hey, coming listen. in. So uh, let's do this. Let's do this. We've got a sponsor. I want to hear from our sponsors, and then I want to come into a little bit more of the eye of the storm metaphor, because I think there's something really powerful in that. And then our tips and tricks on uh, on doomsday prepping your business. But first, a message from our sponsor. Corbett, who's sponsoring our show today? Our sponsor today is Gusto, because if you have a business or know somebody who does, you probably know that small business owners wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are totally great, but some, like filing taxes or running payroll, for example, they're not so great. And that's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small business owners. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes, so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Those old-school, clunky payroll providers just weren't built for the way that small businesses work. Plus, Gusto is our favorite payroll processor. I think I've mentioned that before, right? We love Gusto Mm -hmm. here at Fizzle. And listeners of The Fizzle Show get three months free when they run their first payroll. So try a demo and see for yourself at gusto.com slash fizzle. That's gusto.com slash fizzle. All right. Thank you to Gusto for supporting independent entrepreneurs yeah. and The Fizzle Show. So, uh, Aiden, set us up here for this idea again, because you mentioned it. Uh, I love this this concept of creating your own eye of the storm. And then let's get into some of these tips and tricks. Yeah, so um, the the quote that I made because I love making quotes is that uh, is that serenity is not the calm while shit's good. Serenity is the calm in the shit storm. So um, <laughs> the uh, attribute me, please, the, per per, yeah. per citation. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I think part of my default mechanism, and it's not this is not a bad thing, but but when i'm overwhelmed when like the curveballs come at me and things start exploding um 
I start like looking for calm, right? I start, and I do that in like kind of the classic things like uh, uh, Whataburger uh, chicken sandwiches and uh, and Netflix typically. Um, so wow. that's where I look for the eye of the storm. But um, it's not such a creative construction of it. So I believe that once so you say, gotten- say that again, like just, just because it's like these, these burgers and Netflix is like, it's sort of like a, you're, you're, you're kind of turning a blind eye to like, it's like short term gain for right. long term pain. Right? That's exactly right. And it's exactly like what Steph was mentioning where, you know, a lot of people have this muscle through uh, perspective and that, that is for me, that's what muscling through, um, uh, like a, a dark time is, is kind of like, put your head down, put your blinders on. And, and a lot of the time that, that does it, you know, that works. Um, but God forbid you have kind of a succession of disasters. I guarantee you, it's not going to serve. You're not going to survive the whole onslaught. Um, for me, it's been, it's been good. I have this like weird visualization when, when I'm going through cast, like I'm, I'm in a, a, a paper or like a cardboard like spaceship making re-entry and like everything is burning up on the atmosphere you know like mm-hmm. my wings are flying off and and hopefully hopefully like me and my spacesuit will survive yeah. all the way yeah. down but the spaceship yeah. is not going to survive so <laughs> the idea here is is to build a better re-entry vehicle and that's that's what creating the eye of the storm some of its preparation but then some of its kind of deploying uh the stuff that we were talking about so um what the the only real rich tip that I have for this is taking some time and just writing a lot. Um, because usually when chaos starts, my head starts spinning and that inner dialogue really, really takes off. Um, and there's no real way for me to determine and parse out the truth and the accurate stuff from the silly ridiculousness. Um, but when you put it on paper, a lot of the time that power just evaporates um, mm. Then I'm, you know, left with the stuff that actually does matter, which is essentially a list that I can then prioritize. So, yeah. um, so that's really the only method that, is, that has gotten me through kind of consistently in a sustainable way. Yeah, I like this, but I, I, lo- I like this a lot. I like this idea of creating your own eye of the storm, which is like the center of it. Uh, it's the piece sort of in the center of a, of a crazy thing, right? So in order to do this, we got to think a little bit logically about uh, about, okay, what does the chaos, uh, like what's going to happen? Well, I love the, I love the question about, uh, about, or the, the, the tip just about to take time and write. Here's something that has always been challenging for me on this podcast. My industry, things that are like broken down, really chunked up and bite sized are the things that get like, you know, they get big, they get passed around. That's like, people like the bullet points, right? People really like the bullet points. And some people, I, what I noticed is that a lot of people feel like they're learning and they're getting something when really they're just memorizing something that they read in a, in an article or heard in a podcast They're memorizing something. And when that memorization is gone, then the learning's not there anymore. It's like, it's like we're managing cerebrally, something that needs to be managed in like sort of a way of being sort of your, like just who you are, your intelligence, your, your osmosis, your personality, the things you've sucked in over time have shifted and changed you. That's why for us, for my personal like take, like that's why this podcast has never really been just like a, the four P's of personal branding, you know, the like that kind of stuff. Cause you could get that anywhere. You could get that anywhere, right? Just anywhere. But these conversations the rawness, the honesty, the sort of like in it with you ness, 
right? Just a few steps ahead of you-ness, right? They're like, I don't have the answers-ness, <laughs> right? That is, that, there's this chance that you spend some time swimming in these waters and you yourself will get shifted and changed by it because we are in a relationship and we're actually changing your view of reality instead of having you memorize some things that you try to pull in and change your reality with. So when Aiden's talking about taking some time and just writing, right? Such easy thing to do. Such easy prompts we can give you about like, so if something's going to go wrong, what are the kinds of things that are likely to go wrong in my business at some point in the next 50 years, right? What are the sorts of moments that I might be likely to have at some point in the next 50 years in my business? One of them is uh, I need to find clients and I don't have any right now and my, my well is running dry, Right. One of them is uh, is not enough money in the bank to pay for either payroll or rent this month, like right now. Right. One of them, like you could just come up with a bunch of stuff and it's hard to look at that. But if you could, because we're like, we're like prone, we're like literally designed to, to not look at that in some ways. <laughs> Seems like the whole point is to go like, this is fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. Everything's good. You good? I'm good. I'm good. Everything's fine. Everything's going to go okay. Everything's good. I'm perfect. I mean, everything's okay. I'm all right. Are you okay? Yeah, me too. And then you meet someone and things aren't going bad, aren't going good for, and you're like, oh, oh, I don't like being around this person. <laughs> like, I'm going to go back to where it's safe. Yeah. Right. So, so like, like we're prone not to look at this. We've mentioned that a few times. And like in my experience with coaching people now, this is like, this is like all I do. I just help them like look at the like they have a problem and the problem is a problem and they know it's a problem, but they're not looking at the problem because they don't want to see the problem. But they're coming to me knowing that they have a problem and they think they're looking at the problem, but they're just not looking at the problem. So I just get them to say, "Hey, that problem over there, let's look at it." Let's look at the problem, but it's hard to look at the problem because the problem feels like it's about to bite your ass off, right? <laughs> the problem feels like it's coming at you at a million miles an hour and it's got like hair on its teeth. It's so, it's so burly. Do you know what I mean? It's just such an intense thing, right? When it's like, oh, hold on, stop, pause, pause. And then we just look at the problem, right? That's the, as a coach, that's all I do. I don't give anybody advice. You know, I don't give anybody advice. I just go like, oh, let's look at the problem. They have the answers every time. And so the first tip, and I'm so glad it came out first, is just, dude, just write about it. See what comes up from you. Who knows? Maybe you'll get some intuition about what is actually going to happen for you, and you won't know it. You're not prophetic. But then 10 years from now, you'll look back and go like, oh, my God, I was so prepared for this because of that one time I spent two hours in a coffee shop just barfing on paper all the things that could go wrong, Right? And, and coming to terms with it. Ted, Tim Ferriss's first TED Talk was just about this. It was just about this. He's, he's like this big guy. He did all four-hour work week, massive platform. He's erupting. He's super interesting. The whole world's interested in Tim Ferriss. He does a TED Talk. He gets 20 minutes to talk about one thing. What does he talk about? He talks about doomsday prepping your life, right? He talks about looking at the worst thing that could possibly happen and coming to terms with it. Just stoicism. Right. This is a very powerful tool. If you get nothing else from this episode, this is the business. Okay. This is the business because what comes up from you, you're actually going to listen to. You're actually going to, you, you physician heal thyself, but we've got some other tips and tricks here. Yeah. And and I'd love to just expand on that a second because we we talked about emergency prepping and how you need, you know, flares. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that was on the (laughs) list. Uh, You need water, you need food, you need, you know, entertainment, all those sorts of things that you can't live without when the internet doesn't work. And um, 
that's probably the thing that'll kill us all, right? Being without yeah. Instagram for a couple <laughs> yeah. of days. Probably. Yeah. You can go without yeah. water, you can go without food, but not Instagram. Right. But, because I mean, I'm, I've got a trend here going. I got a certain amount of likes that I'm trying to get, you know, <laughs> exactly. on everyone, right? Exactly. It's like, it'll just make me go crazy. But to, to re- relate that to business prepping, we've talked about, you know, needing systems and processes and maybe needing people in place to help you when the emergency comes. You also need probably your financial house to be in order when the emergency comes. But I think the other thing that you're getting at here, Chase, uh, is not just looking at what's the worst that can happen so that you can plan better for those things, but also the emotional Mm -hmm. well that you need, you know, to ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen in my business that helps you prepare emotionally so that when the worst thing does happen, like the Stoics said, Mm. you will be better prepared for it and it won't catch you so off guard. It won't throw you into a tailspin. You'll be able to work your way out of it. Yeah, this is so big because, because, you know, you can have really, really crazy things happen. You can have like, you can also go like, uh, I mean, I don't meet my, this is like, like, this is all built into like goal setting, right? Like Steph has this amazing course inside of Fizzle uh, on, on goal setting and, and the insight in that course is profound. If you haven't taken it, fizzle.co slash try five, you just get, get your life together. I mean, what are you doing? You're a drag on everybody around you because you haven't gotten your life together. Take Steph's course for crying out loud. It's like you could be done with it in two days, right? And then you'll have, then you'll have five full weeks to check out the rest of the stuff in Fizzle. Again, that's if you use the link, fizzle.co slash try five. We only do that here for Fizzle show listeners. Okay. Um, that's our gift to you. Five weeks for free. You cancel anytime. There's no contracts or anything like that. But this is built into goal setting because when you say, you know, have you any, anybody out there heard like the, the, the idea of having a big, hairy, audacious goal, right? The idea of just like having something that's a home run, like a really like, you know, vast majority of people that come up to swing the baseball bat at the, at the ball that the pitcher throws do not hit a home run. But the idea is, what if you have a home run in your mind? What if you're like, for your business, you're going for the home run. You have this big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, you're, re- you're 10Xing, you're, moon- you're taking a moonshot, right? This has become huge in, in like the, the upper echelon of the tech world, right? Taking a moonshot. Um, when you do that, you're all of a sudden setting your, why do we resist that? Because we're setting ourselves up for, for not reaching that goal. The emotional, the emotional, uh, 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 the emotional, like, well that you need, as in Corbett's words, to, to just cope with, with not reaching your goal or, or maybe falling really short of it or, or something like that. It's the same kind of thing. And that emotional resilience, uh, the ability to stare into the truth of that and still, and learn from it instead of shrink back into shame, which is what my nature uh, up to, you know, like, like tended, tended to want to do, um, and then I've got kind of a, a little bit of a handle on it. I still will, you know, I like, hey man, I like, I like a good blanket and Netflix and chill as much as anybody else. I'll shame out, I'll shame out with some chicken nuggets and whatever. <laughs> actually, I haven't had chicken nuggets in a million years, but that'd, that'd be good actually. My, my thing's pho. Like I'll get some pho and just like numb out. Um, but this, this idea that you're going to need these, this emotional resiliencies in, in entrepreneurship in it, like at all to survive it. Right. Let alone if anything, if nothing bad ever, if no doomsday stuff ever happens, nothing crazy, uh, ever derails you from your plans. You're still going to need a lot of that emotional resiliency. So sitting down and writing what could go wrong and going and just like doing it a few days in a row, getting into that, getting into that and still finding a gratitude that you get to try. Right. 
that you get to even try to do what you're trying to do. Like, that's amazing. That's amazing, right? That emotional resilience will keep you afloat in so many different seas, okay? Lots of metaphors going on. Lots of them. <laughs> Lots of them. Keep them straight. So um, in terms of, of tips here, listen, we've already mentioned a few in this conversation that I've kind of highlighted in my notes. Um, I think, Steph... This is a really good, uh, you know, umbrella to put some other stuff underneath this idea of number one, you've got to establish what good enough looks like for your business. Can you talk a little bit about establishing what good enough looks like in your business, Steph? Yeah, absolutely. I'll say one quick thing just on just to kind of close the loop on what you were just talking about, the emotional resilience. Um, and this is a little bit tricky, but I have to mention it because for me, if people are listening and they're thinking, oh, how do I look this potential chaos in the face and and develop emotional resilience. It can be really hard to approach that. Um, and you may n- know that you need to and still can't quite figure out like how to get there because you think about the worst case scenario in your business and it's terrifying. And you think to yourself, like, I don't know how to be okay with the fact that I might not get the clients or I might fail. Um, what has my barometer, and I'll just offer this in case it's helpful to anybody else. I always like to check in on a, a detachment and how attached I feel to the results. Every, I mean, seriously, it's so annoying. Every time without fail, the less I need it to go right, the better it goes. Like what's mm-hmm. with that? I swear to God, anytime that I'm like, anytime I'm like, this has to work. I have no other plan. If this fails, everything is horrible. It fails. Like that's when it fails. And yeah. so, you know, that's a tough pill to swallow because I've actually had moments where I've been like, I'm not detached and I can feel it and I don't know how to detach. And I have figured out for myself, the only way that you can truly detach from the outcome is to walk yourself through that worst case scenario and figure out what exactly you would do in that situation. So play the game of like, your business doesn't generate revenue for three months. Like I know that idea will stop you in your tracks, but like go to your spouse, go to your house and figure out what would we do? Like, seriously, would you go to Starbucks? Like, would you become a barista? Like, I want to know exactly what you would do because you have to be okay with that scenario. I think that is the only way that I've been able to truly detach. I have to make myself step into the space of like, this business does not generate anything for three months. What do I do? Where's our money coming from? How are we paying the bills? What are we slashing? And I have to be okay with that plan. And that's the only way to separate yourself from the success or failure of anything that you're working on. Um, I just think that's so critical. I don't know another way to emotional resilience other than to prove to yourself that you are going to be okay, no matter what happens as a result of whatever you're going through. And so I just had to get that in there. And I don't remember what your question was, Chase, because that consumed my mind. But I just had to mention that because it's been so helpful for me in exploring the worst case scenario and overcoming it. Well, and I got to just underline that bit about like looking at your attachment to yeah. stuff. It's so strange because I noticed the same exact thing. Not, and it's not like, a, it's not like all the time, but oftentimes the less I need something to work, yeah. the better it goes. Yeah. Like I'm surprised like when a tweet, like, like the tweet that I was like, this is stupid. I just couldn't help like that ends up doing more than the one that I think is going to be great. Exactly. You know, it's, it's so strange. And the tweet is an interesting example because it's like, who's paying attention to tweets and like, like these are just little ideas. You know, it's like, it's like a nothing. It's like a nothing, but you can so clearly see the results of that. Nothing. 
so clearly you can see how many retweets, how many likes, how many whatever, how many responses you get, how much it sort of like, how much it touches people, right? I'm a toucher. I'm a toucher. So the question, Steph, is, uh, or the, the, the thing to, to, to explain a little bit about or, or describe a little bit is this idea of defining what good enough looks like in your business. This was your first of three points. The first one was to establish what good enough looks like for your business. Mm-hmm. The second is be okay with being good enough for some amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was trust you're going to come back to your energetic norm later, which is seemed to be like kind of folded into the BOK. Like this is just for right now. Yep. This is just for right now. You know, put it on, I'm on low power mode, power yep. saving mode. Right. So what is it? How do we look at uh, our business and how do we establish what good enough looks like in our business? Yeah, I have two quick thoughts on this. Um, the first one is something that I learned from Brooke Castillo, who has the life coaching school. I think she's phenomenal. And she has this mantra that I have shared a number of times with my community and people go nuts for it every time. It's the idea that B minus work still changes lives. When you can get your mind around that, that because I think so many of us feel like we have to put our A work out there, like it's got to be our A game or else it doesn't count. And how dare we produce anything less because it's not going to generate results and it's going to embarrass us. But here's the thing, your A work or your A plus work likely doesn't even exist because all we do is pick ourselves apart. And if you are putting out something that you feel like is B minus, that still has tremendous potential to change people's lives. And so, and oftentimes like your people will look at that and be like, that is in no way B minus. I think this is incredible. And so just recognizing that your B minus work is likely going to help a whole lot of people, I think is such a permission slip to continue to try and to continue to show up even when you're in a period of feeling like, you don't really know if you're capable of, you know, the creativity that you're trying to find. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is just this idea of, we talk a lot about on the show about the idea of minimum viable income, right? MVI, the number that you need to generate on a revenue basis uh, to like keep the lights on in your house, be able to quit your job and pursue your passion full time. But I would want to encourage everyone to explore the idea of MVE, minimum viable effort. This is a really fun game to play, which is basically you know, what would be the minimum threshold of things that I would need to do in order to keep this business running? It's that low power mode that I was talking about, right? So like what has to happen? And then as Aiden was saying, like maybe you end up outsourcing that to somebody. If something happens, you have a plan for that or you have systems that can replace it. That's kind of the how, but before you can even get there, you have to know what your minimum viable effort really looks like. So what is that? Like, what is that MVE? What are the tasks, the bare minimum that you need to do to feel like your business is going to keep going? And then knowing what that is means that when chaos happens, when you need to take a step back or, or you simply want to, because God forbid you take a vacation, you know what things need to happen and you can make a plan for actually getting them done. Mm, I like this. Now, if one, your first part, there's something built into, there's something baked in to the, to the perspective of this first one, this idea that B minus work still changes lives. And I really want to call this out for people because I know a lot of people are out of practice or never, like, haven't yet quite built this muscle in them. But did you see that that mindset is completely focused on the impact your work makes, not on what you feel about the yeah. work? Do you know what I mean? Because how I feel about the work is what the grade I give it, right? Exactly. B minus, A plus, right? This is how I feel about the work. Dude, there are people out there putting A plus work out there, right? And no one's ever heard of them. 
<laughs> it's not impacting lives in some ways. Now, to be to be frank, I'm sure anybody doing like it's 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 exactly where it needs to be. But you'd see this work, and you'd go like, you'd throw your hands up, you'd push you'd push the business papers off your desk. You go like, what's the point of me trying? What's the point of me trying? Look how good this stuff is. Business look papers off this- your desk. <laughs> look, how, look how great this is like right i can't even compete with this i can't even compete with this and you can make so much more of an impact potentially if you shift your perspective to be looking at what is the impact that you're making on people's lives and in order to do that you've got to get clear on whether this is that whole go take the defining your audience course in fizzle been talking about this for years. <laughs> it was like the first thing we made at Fizzle. It's still, still to this day, it is like the defining thing about entrepreneurship to me, right? Creative entrepreneurship specifically, right? Understanding who your audience is, what they're actually struggling with, what it is in their words so that you can do something for them. You're doing something for them, right? You're not doing something to be special. You're not doing something to be known. You're not doing something to be this, that, and the other. Obviously, that all plays a role. We're all we're all borrowing from our from our vanity, to, <laughs> the energy of our vanity to create stuff in the world. In some ways, maybe you're not. I certainly am. Um, but I just wanted to underline that point that when you're focused on the impact your work, the impact your work wants to have. Right. One of the ways that we do this in the, this event that I was. Just as we talk about what are you committed to cause? What are you committed to cause in other people? What are you committed to cause? And it's an emotion. It's actually an experience. Like I'm committed to cause joy or I'm committed to cause openness. I'm committed to cause authenticity or safety. I'm committed to cause, um, uh, you know, whatever, all of these kinds of, kinds of things. I could go for forever, man. <laughs> this four day event, you guys. Holy crap. There's another one coming up in May. It's called the Revenant process. It is the deepest work ever. It's so good. And the guy who coaches it or leads it is this older guy. He's my dad's age. My dad went to this. My dad went to this four day event with us. It was so heavy, right? And this guy is just a master practitioner of this stuff. So anyways, that's my little plug for that. The second point that you brought up, Steph, first one being define what good enough looks like in your business. The second one is be okay with good enough. What do, what do you mean by this? Yeah. So, okay. Once you are in touch with what that minimum viable effort looks like, right? That sort of like good enough mode. Um, I think that goes back to recognizing that everything is temporary. If you were to try to be on minimum viable effort for the rest of your life, probably going to run out of steam, right? Like <laughs> there needs to be another time, another point in your career, in your business, when you dial up the energy, you create something new and all that good stuff. But um, being okay with it, I think really comes down to recognizing that there are ebbs and flows to everything that we do. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. If you look at everything seasonally, if you look at animals and the weather, like like animals hibernate, right? Like animals are not out and about all year long. Uh, everything dies in the winter time. For some reason, human beings don't want to look at themselves in that context. Like we expect ourselves to be at 100% yeah. all the time, which is kind of bizarre. And so when you start to get your mind around the fact that you're probably going to go through some of those cycles because we are part of nature, um, I think you can start to get comfortable with the fact that when you slow down, you're not giving up, you're on minimum viable effort, power saving mode. And that goes, I think flows right into that third point, which is trusting that there's going to be a summer, right? Or there's going to be like a new harvest essentially, where there's going to be a new crop of ideas, new crop of energy. So starting to trust that this is a cyclical process in business and creativity. And I think just in life. 
I love this. I love this. Okay, so these are these are the three that you brought up, Steph, and I think that's a that's one way of looking at it. That's just so so simplifies things. Just to go, hey, what is good enough in your business, and what do you need to feel good enough, like like okay with good enough for a little while? This idea of power saving, right? That underneath, like or after you've spent, you know, spend a couple days, like spend an hour today, just writing about uh, writing about what could go wrong in your business, just coming to terms with it, in whatever way you want. You you could you could just like literally just barf journal about it right and do that again another few days because it doesn't have to you don't have to do it all in one sitting. What's good about this is you can kind of get into that mindset. You can come to terms with the kinds of things that can go wrong, right? And over time, you're going to learn more about what could go wrong in a business. You're going to hear someone tell a story about how they lost all their email subscribers uh, in some like weird like backup you know breakdown of their technology, and you're going to go like, okay, interesting. I need to have something in place for backing up my email like subscribers because that's what my business runs on if if it does right mm-hmm. but there's there's some more tips like Aiden talk to me about this idea of automating because I don't think people are thinking necessarily that much about how powerful automation is in our businesses yeah and and I think the the essence of this idea is that you want to increase the points of failure um because as a solopreneur uh, particularly, um, if I go away, almost everything falls apart. Um, I have a partner with my business, so so that's not always the case, but that's two now, right? So if two people get hit by a bus, then the business collapses. Um, it doesn't have to be founders, though. So the idea is to create more points of failure. So if, if, uh, if, if there's a lot of robots doing a lot of work, um, a lot of things have to fail for the entire business to collapse. I mean, just some like uh, some interesting examples there. You can do this all day um, and, and we don't have all day. But uh, one of the things that you can do is, is examine your business model and figure out how uh, instrumental you are in this business model. And I would encourage you to get creative about ways to extricate yourself. So, for example, I think a lot of people listening here um, have some component of their business that is coaching. Right. Um, and I think Fizzle, uh, you know, you guys are maybe the poster children for having done this successfully, but turning live coaching into scalable info products and courses. Mm. Like if, if Corbett evaporated and was abducted by aliens, we might not know for a, like a year or something <laughs> uh, yeah. because he's on the videos. He still exists. Um, so yeah. you found a way to package yourself and your value in a way that a thousand people can be experiencing the same value at the same time. So that's one good example for kind of a live coaching product. But that thinking applies if you're a service-based person. That's kind of what I was talking about with building your vendor network um, for referral-based businesses. Uh, Corbett was talking about kind of getting other people in the mix that can do what you do so that you can actually take all the time off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's other processes like your your email follow-ups. It's good to be personable, but at some point you should probably have some automation baked in there uh, for certain things that, that maybe you do, but you really shouldn't be doing like bookkeeping and payroll and taxes and stuff like that get bench, right? <laughs> or get a bookkeeper or get a CPA. Those people are out there. Um, so, so those are the kinds of like automating and outsourcing kinds of tips that I would suggest. Um, I love this, this yeah. idea of, of like, um, of just looking at the way, for example, I mean, the, the, for some people, they just had their mind blown, like, oh my gosh, I have to make a digital product. 
because at least that's out there. This is like diversify your bonds, mother effer. Mm. Right? You remember remember Wu Tang Financial? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Wu Tang Financial. The one the one tip that I remember from that is just is just diversify your bonds, mother effer. Right? It's like uh, the idea is if you can diversify some of your income streams. Then, like, that's what a goal I have right now is, right? A goal I have right now is, like, let's just get another, let's turn on another stream of income, even if it's, even if it's just a trickle, even if it's just a tiny little trickle, you know, that, that can, that can be so helpful because over time we can grow that. And then if I've broken that seal and I've gone from just like my YouTube thing to, to now I have a YouTube thing and a, and a course or something like that. Well, now I mean, it's easier for me to make another course. You know, it's easier for me to make another, make another course or have some sort of group training or something like that. And now I can, I can, you know, who knows where this goes. So that idea of, of, of having multiple streams of revenue, ironically, <laughs> creating more work for myself, potentially, mm-hmm. right? For right now. But it's like, it's like a, it's like a way of, of storing water in my basement, right? It's like a way of, of having supplies I need for when I need them, right? And, and with like you, I think it just speaks so much this idea that Corbett can go away from fizzle right now for like a whole year. We probably wouldn't notice it, you know? We just like, guys. Probably, yeah, I was gonna <laughs> probably say. wouldn't notice it. <laughs> that's not what we meant. We would miss no. you. Nobody else no. would. That's the point. No, not that we wouldn't, not that we wouldn't miss him, but just like the vast majority of people who are signing up for fizzle, like, uh, they, they probably won't know the difference. They won't know they that Corbett's Corbett. on, on autopilot. Yeah. Um, and big reveal here, guys. We haven't worked on Fizzle in ten years. We did this ten years ago, and it's still going strong. This has all been a. I'm just getting ready for a TED talk. It's, right. It's just. It's just research for a TED Tell talk. Tell that to my wife. <laughs> totally. So automating things is uh, like. What are some examples, uh, Corbett? What are some examples of automation that you think might actually contribute to a, to a like in some like even just this tiny like a, a little bit of a meaningful way when the shit hits the fan and you've got to uh, and you've you've got to go into like power saving mode on your business because a lot of your time is being devoted to something else. Like what's some well, automation stuff? Well, and and something that we haven't talked about that's that's not exactly automation but can still help you when you're in power saving mode is just getting ahead of the curve a little bit in terms of your content production schedule. This is something that uh, people who do run solo businesses where one person is responsible for the content. I'm thinking specifically of somebody like um, Dana from minimalist or Vanessa yeah. Edwards from science of people. Those two both are the only person who is creating the content in their businesses and they're running businesses that attract millions of people per month to their, to their sites and they need to be there, but they are able to batch things in a way that allows them to take up to a month off depending on what's going on. So they just get in front of the ball. They record videos, they write blog posts, they knuckle down and do all of that work, say, a month ahead of time, so that if they need to take that time off, they're not worrying about creating content. They have some leeway there. Yeah, and this what brings to mind for me uh, is just, and this is something that I'm just now starting to come online with in my business, because I'm a YouTuber, I, I publish two videos a week, um, that's my commitment, and uh, and if I do, it looks like if I do that, like, <laughs> if I do that, things might be okay for me, right? But now, I'm having to take very seriously that production schedule, 
right? Up to now, that's been that's been pretty easy. But now that we're traveling and I'm constantly in flux, I have to I have to know where what products I'm getting in. I have to figure out what my review of each of these are before I even film it. I have to know what my publishing schedule is. I have to yada yada yada, right? That like I can easily put together a month's worth of content, and then like then I can I can go somewhere. Like it can all be recorded in the can, and then you know. Like I don't know, I could I could just work it out over time. So we're coming close to the end here. We should we should jump off. Um, any other final tips? Like like any other specific tips on on the automation, on the the making the eye of the storm, on doomsday prepping for for the uh, you know for 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 people out there to have a better sense of. Of, of presence in their business because they're not because they've kind of done the inventory of like what can go wrong yeah i i would just encourage people to treat their work year as if they're only 11 months not 12 months and plan appropriately and just just imagine that you have to take a month off throughout the year, whatever that means for you financially, whatever that means for you in terms of systems, because time off is essential just to recharge your batteries, but sometimes it's also unexpected. And either way, you, you need to be able to um, you know, get through those times. And once you've planned for a month or something throughout the year, it'll be a lot easier to plan for more time than that if you happen to need it. Yeah, I love this idea of just like taking time off. Like the the best thing you can do, go do all this writing, figure some things out, figure some stuff you can automate, and and get ahead of the curve a little bit or whatever. But just this idea of planning to take time off as an experiment in like knowing what's going to happen when you when like some of you just like some of you need to take three days off your business. Like that hasn't even happened in forever. Just three days. Some of you need to go for like a whole week not opening the computer. Like a digital detox. One week. That's it. You know? One week. That will show you so much about how to set up your business for for future vacations or future, you know, doomsday moments. <laughs> this idea of just take the time off, plan the time off is actually a really... I never thought about this, Corb. This is like a good tip. I like this. Yeah. Aiden, any, anything else in closing here? Nah, I just want to remind people... Um, that if you don't have this stuff, your whole thing could collapse with one single occurrence. So this is real deal. You know, your entrepreneur means risk taker. So our job now is to mitigate and reduce the risk now because there's probably, if you're at this stage, a lot more riding on it than when you were side hustling this after your nine to five. So um, you can't avoid life. Life it will hit you hard. So uh, when you find those peaceful times, it's time to time to prep. I like it. All right, team. This is episode 306 of The Fizzle Show. All right, so you can go to fizzleshow.co slash 306. That's fizzleshow.co slash 306. You can find all the links in the, in, the, in the show notes for this episode, okay? My thanks to Steph and Aiden and Corbett for being here and joining us. And my thanks, of course, to you for listening. As always, you can check out uh, fizzle.co slash try five. You get five weeks for free. Uh, that's our gift to you. And the link again for Gusto Corbett is is, is Gusto. What are we Gusto. doing? Gusto.com slash fizzle. You can get three months of payroll for free. I love that. Gusto.com slash fizzle. Thank you guys for listening. Find care. Take care. Serve hard and dig in out there. Talk to you next week on the Fizzle Show. Bye-bye.